Thank you for tuning in to Bible Storming Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, our aim is to help you be intentional in how you think about the Bible. It is more than just reading the words. It is about diving deep into the text. So let's study together. Here is your host, Daniel Webster. What's up, guys? Daniel here. Just dropping in to let you know that this is the third part of a three-part series on the Kalam cosmological argument for the existence of God. Now, in my opinion, this is the most powerful argument for God's existence. But if you missed the first two episodes, you might want to go check those out. This one will make a lot more sense if you have those in mind first. But in this episode, we talk about some of the scientific evidence for the second premise of the argument. And then we discuss some of the consequences, some of the ramifications of the conclusion, and then how we can get from this argument to the existence of a Christian God. So without further ado, here it is. So really, when you look at the second premise and the idea that the universe began to exist, and the, the great thing about the Kalam is um, the Kalam works whether you're a uh, young earth creationist or if you're dealing with somebody who believes that the earth is, or, or that the universe is uh, billions of years old. Um, because what we can do is we can utilize, what I like to do, what, what's beautiful about the Kalam is, let's say I'm talking uh, to Joe Blow the skeptic, right? And Joe Blow the skeptic uh, believes that the universe is billions of years old. Uh, well, you know, there's a, a great number of people uh, who don't hold to Joe Blow's position. They, they believe um, that Genesis, you know, shows, you know, six literal 24 hour days. Well, how am I going to reach Joe Blow if, if he believes that the universe is billions of years old and I believe that the earth is young? Well, there's a chasm there. And what's so beautiful about the Kalam is the Kalam can step in uh, to that chasm and meet Joe Blow the skeptic where they are from the data that Joe Blow himself would accept. All right. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, so what, what Craig does in the second premise of the scientific um, uh, evidence that he gives is he meets the skeptics where they are. He says, Hey, um, you know, Einstein in the early 1900s, due to general relativity, stated, you know, uh, said, hey, the universe is either expanding or contracting. Now, Einstein, to his discredit, um, didn't want an expanding universe because he knew the implication was uh, the universe began to exist. So he introduces this fudge factor to get a universe. Then, um, uh, there's some uh, scientists that come along, uh, Alexander Friedman and George Lemaitre. They come along, they take the fudge factor out of Einstein's equation, and they say, hey, we've got an expanding universe. We've got a beginning to the universe. And so then, uh, after those guys uh, you know, do their, their formula, uh, Edwin Hubble, uh, you know, in his in the famous uh, observatory that that he operated, looks you know into space and he sees this uh, red shift that no matter where he points his telescope, 
all of the planets and the galaxies are moving away from Earth. And so what's really interesting is that he actually invites Einstein to his observatory to look at this. Huh. And Einstein would later go on to say the fudge factor was the greatest blunder of my scientific career. And so And the greatest accepts. blunder of his personal life was that hair, but you know, <laughs> right, right. And so you have this shift in the early to mid nineteen hundreds where most people believe that the universe is uh static, the universe is eternal, and you've at least in the academic community. And so now you've got evidence that says, wait, um, we've got this redshift going on. General relativity predicts the beginning of the universe. Um, you know, here it is. And so over time, you get things like redshift, you get cosmic background radiation. And, and so the, the, the idea that the universe has a beginning gains traction, all right? Not just in the religious community, but also in the scientific community. Well, uh, along comes Stephen Hawking, and Hawking's research, uh, along with Roger Penrose, predicts a what's called a singularity, uh, a moment in which um, uh, the universe comes into being. Then Hawking um, really tries to get a universe from nothing. And uh, in the early 2000s, uh, Alan uh, uh, Guth, Arvind Bord, and Alexander Lincoln, none of which uh, I believe are are Christians or claim Christianity. Mm-hmm. I think I know for a fact that Lincoln is an agnostic. Uh, they come up with what's called the Bord Guth Lincoln theorem, and they present a paper. Great name at, St- at Stephen at Stephen Hawking's. Um, birthday celebration. I think it was his seventieth oh. or seventy second birthday celebration, and they present a paper. And basically, what they say is that any universe, whether under classical quote Big Bang cosmology, um, uh, space time, or or non classical, something like uh, you know. Uh, a, a quantum type of um, understanding of the universe. Uh, any universe that's been expanding on average for its duration that it's been around must have a beginning. And what a birthday me, present. Yeah, what a birthday present. Yeah, so I've got this quote here from one of those three dudes with super long names, <laughs> Alexander Vlinkin. It's Blinken. Alexander Vlinkin, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, I mean, he's, he's right up front with it, doesn't hold anything back. He said, it is said that an argument is what convinces reasonable men, and the proof is what it takes to convince even an unreasonable man. With the proof now in place, cosmologists can no longer hide behind a past eternal universe. There is no escape. They have to face the problem of a cosmic beginning. That's not a guy who's who's a Christian speaking. That is, you know, he's a guy right. doing his job. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not quoting, um, you know, uh, you know, brother, you know, Billy Bob from the, you know, up the street Church of Christ, right? Yeah, remember preacher. <laughs> right, right. And so that's that is one piece that um, that Craig uses. He uses the expansion of the universe. Then he uses the second law of thermodynamics, which is you know, basically states the overall entropy 
in a closed system, uh, you know, uh, essentially um, the second law dictates that the universe will eventually come to a state of equilibrium. What we mean by that is the energy throughout the universe will be evenly distributed uh, because as the universe expands, it will grow cold, it will grow dark, it will grow void, and there will be no energy. It's what's called equilibrium, right? And every scientist um, agrees that the second law of thermodynamics is is true. Uh, I don't know if I don't know that I've ever heard of a scientist that says the second law of thermodynamics is is wrong. Um, and so the question that Craig asks is, well, uh, if the universe is is slowly running out of usable energy and it will experience heat death and everything will be cold, dark, and void. But at the same time, it's past eternal. Then why hasn't this already taken place? It's, the universe has had an infinite amount of time to run out of all the usable energy, and so we should have already experienced heat death an infinite amount of time ago. Well, clearly that's not true because you and I are here today, right, Daniel? Yeah, thanks so for says, that. Yeah, so he says, hey, uh, clearly because this hasn't taken place, the universe is not past eternal, but it has a finite beginning in the past because of the second law. Boom. All right. <laughs> so Boom. that was the scientific evidence for the second premise. So let's put them together and come to the conclusion. And we still have a little bit of work to do, as we kind of hinted at in the beginning. Once we get to this conclusion, right. to get us to the Christian God. Okay, so whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, and then there's the obvious conclusion. Therefore, the universe has a cause. So since both premises are both valid and true, logically speaking, the conclusion must also be valid and true, right? So the universe can't right. have cause itself. It had a beginning, and something can't come from nothing. So its cause must be from beyond the space-time universe, right? And this is where it gets um, gets fun because it gets us to what we believe in, right? Right. Um, so right. you kind of laid it out at the beginning where we have these these different characteristics that must um, must be the case of this cause of this first cause, this efficient cause for everything else. Right. Like you said, it has to be spaceless because it created space. It has to be timeless because it created time. It has to be immaterial because it created material. It has to be uncaused because it had to cause everything else. It, it has to be unimaginably powerful because, I mean, look around. That one's, that one's pretty easy. And then lastly, and this is what I want to get your thoughts on because I think this is the most important characteristic, most relevant one. It also must be personal. Like that is, it mm -hmm. has to be a person, not, not a human, but a person. So if you will, tell us kind of why that is the case. Right. Well, um, you know, I, I agree with you there with, with what you said, timeless, spaceless, immaterial, powerful. But I think it does have to be personal, and this is, this is why. Um, Richard Swinburne, who's uh, a philosopher out of Oxford, used to teach at Oxford. I think he's in retirement now. Um, points another out that there's guy. only... Yeah, another smart guy. There are only two types of causal explanations there's uh scientific in the sense of um laws acting on initial conditions or there's uh personal in the sense of agents and their will 
Well, if you look at the Kalam, with no initial operating conditions existing, because there is nothing, uh, since there's no initial operating conditions existing at all, um, there doesn't seem to be a scientific explanation as to the cause of the universe. Well, if there's no scientific explanation uh, as far as a causal explanation, the only thing that you're left with is a a, a personal um, hmm. explanation, which means you revert to agent cause and a volition of the will. So that means uh, that the only candidate left could be um, a timeless, spaceless, immaterial, uh, all-powerful, uh, personal agent that through a act of the will created the universe. Well, um, that sounds a lot like uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but notice, I, I do want to make a clarification, uh, is that these arguments like the Kalam argument, like the moral argument, um, these arguments are designed to get people to understand that in general, God exists. If we want to do uh, work to get people to the Christian God, we can either look at first, we could say, well, obviously it would be a, uh, a monotheistic God uh, due to Occam's razor. You don't need a pantheon of gods. Um, but if we're looking to get people to Christ, um, the Kalam will get them to a general God exists. And it will limit the pantheon of gods. It'll eliminate things like Hinduism. Um, Buddhism is just kind of like spiritual atheism. Um, but it yeah, will just, narrow just it down. <laughs> yeah, it'll narrow it down to uh, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And, and that actually makes our job easier. Because now I don't have to compete with all of these other uh, world religions or pantheon of gods, right? I don't have to deal with the Norse gods. I don't have to deal with the Greek gods. I don't have to deal with the the gods of Rome. Uh, I just have to deal with Judaism and Islam, and I have to show that essentially from there, if someone says, yeah, I agree that there's there's only one general God that exists. Well, right after that, we can go right into evidence for the resurrection. Hmm. And that is something that that's definitely going to gonna happen on. No, no, I'm totally with you. That's definitely right. something I'm planning on doing um, on the Bible Storming podcast. Just give a glance behind the scenes. We're definitely, we're going to get to the resurrection for sure. Because that is, awesome. um, that is to me, at, at least the key of, you know, g- from getting us from just theism, just believing that there is a God to Christianity. And really, I think it's one of the best evidences for theism as well. <laughs> so it's just kind right, of a right. really, really cool thing that, you know, this guy named Jesus got up from the grave. So, you know, no kind of what we're all about. <laughs> but anyway, so thanks so much, Dean, for coming on today um, and and giving us a whole lot of information, a whole lot of stuff to think about uh, as, it, as it pertains to the Kalam cosmological argument. And if you will, just take a couple minutes and, and tell us where we can interact with your work, um, where we can learn more about what you do and also be blessed more by your ministry. Right. Well, um, I, I would say the vast majority of my work is through The Daily Apologist. You can access that at www.thedailyapologist.com. Uh, we also have a Twitter handle that is The Daily Apologist, uh, Instagram handle, you guessed it, The Daily Apologist. Um, wow. But if you want to... Innovative. If, yeah, innovative, right? Um, 
the other area that that you can interact with me is is my personal Instagram and and Twitter feed. Uh, my Twitter handle is Dean underscore Meadows. My uh, uh, Twitter handle is DJ Meadows eighty seven. Um, I'm on Facebook. Also, if you wanna if you have a question, you wanna shoot a, a personal email. My email is djmeadows87 at gmail.com. Would be more than happy to answer questions about uh, the Kalam. And I guess the only other the only other f- other forums that you can catch me on uh, would be uh, my class that I teach uh, for Harbinger Theological Seminary. Uh, currently, I am teaching a class of philosophy of religion. And next week, actually, we're going to spend three hours talking about the Kalam Cosmological Argument. So wow. that takes place at uh, 9 a.m. Central. We go from 9 to 12 um, Central Time. Um, but I would also encourage um, anybody that, that wants to audit that class, just let me know. Send me an email, and uh, I'll talk to the academic advisor, and we'll, we'll get you in there uh, to do that. Um, also, The Daily Apologist has a YouTube channel where we have a multitude of videos that are that are up. Um, there's a, a series that I've done called Twitter Tuesday, where I take a tweet from an atheist and break it down. Um, and there's also here recently, we just did a, I did a response with Aaron Johnson, uh, who's a graduate of the Bear Valley Bible Institute International, where we broke down uh, the charge that there are a multitude of marital relationships that the Bible supports done by an atheist named Hemet Mehta. Uh, that's pro- that's a two-hour uh, podcast, but it is well worth uh, investing in that podcast because those are the popular arguments that you're going to hear about uh, about what what is going on in the Old Testament, so or in the Bible. So that's a synopsis of where you can find my work and where you can find, um, you know, the stuff that we're doing over at the daily apologist. Awesome. We'll definitely go check those out. And thanks again for coming on Dean. And until next time, guys, keep on Bible storming. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the scattered abroad network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the scattered abroad network at gmail.com. That's the scattered abroad network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.